Did you miss Canty and Carlin? This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app on Sirius XM Channel 80, and of course on your smart speakers. Canty and Carlin is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. No Canty, no Carlin today. You get Amber Wilson and Shay Cornette. You're welcome, America. You can give her a tweet <laughs> at Shay Pepler. You can give me a tweet at Amber W Sports. You can also give us a call on Dr. Pepper call in line, 888 espn 888-729-3776. So, Shay, we got some Thursday night football action tonight. The 6-3 and three Titans taking on the 4-6 and six Packers. That'll happen at 8.15 p.m. on Amazon. The Titans re-solidified their hold on the AFC South by pulling off that victory against the Broncos a week ago. But it was the Packers who had the more surprising upset win over the Dallas Cowboys. They're looking to get back in the playoff picture here. Does this mean, Shay, that the Packers have found a winning formula finally? Maybe. And, you know, when I go back to thinking about this season and, like, the trends, it's eerily similar to me, at least, in terms of what the Buccaneers did. They had lost three in a row. Then finally they get a win over the Rams, albeit a bad Rams team. We know that now. But nonetheless, and they go overseas and they get a win. And so you start to pile up some wins and you figure out a winning formula, right? Now, Let's see if the Packers can do something similar. I'll say this. We all know it. Aaron Rodgers likes the drama, and there was a lot of drama in that game against the Dallas Cowboys. There were a lot of storylines. Mike McCarthy returning to Lambeau for the very first time. The Lombardi wear of Jerry Jones and and, uh, Mike McCarthy. And so I do wonder if maybe that fueled his fire a little bit more. I'm not taking anything away from the fact that he's a true competitor. But I do think that that, that narrative might have ignited a little something under those Packers. What the Packers need to figure out is, first of all, the Titans, or Ryan Tannehill, I should say, is yet to score a fourth quarter touchdown. Problematic. So how good can you be late in the game tonight? Now, you also need to capitalize on the things you did well last week. Last week in Week 10, these were season best for Green Bay. So can you continue to do this against a very good team on a short week at home against the Titans? Yards per attempt. Uh, Season average, one through nine, around six and a half. Last week, 11.2. Passing to touchdown ratio was up by 10%. Offensive touchdowns, four versus less than two. So on and so forth. Their offense clicked because they utilized their run game. They were a little bit more balanced, and Aaron Rodgers didn't try and do too much. Now can you keep that same formula and understand it doesn't need to be all about you, Aaron Rodgers. Utilize Aaron Jones. Utilize the guys around you against a really good Titan squad. We'll see. It might be hard, though, in terms of the run game to beat the Titans at something that they do really well, obviously, and run the ball. Um, So strength versus strength here tonight. But look, for the Packers, they better hope they can find a way to find some consistency because time is running out and it's running out quick. Now we're already in week 11. We are already in week 11. Uh, It takes a long time, apparently, to find the winning formula. And maybe what we found here for Green Bay is that Aaron Rodgers isn't the most important Aaron this season on his team. Because you mentioned it there with Aaron Jones. 24 carries. That's one shy of a career high for him coming off of that game last week. 138 yards and a touchdown. And he was still, I mean, A.J. Dillon still had 13 carries for 65 yards. Plus, you had those deep shots to Christian Watson. uh, And you saw that connection. That seems so very important for the rookie receiver to be able to take that next step. And just the communication there and building that chemistry between him and Aaron Rodgers. And I know I was on air last week with Harry Douglas, and Harry just kept saying as as himself, a, a wide receiver in the National Football League, he kept saying building that chemistry. It takes some time, but it's all about confidence, too, with your quarterback and those deep shots, them actually being able to get those 
touchdowns to Watson in the way that they did. That just builds his confidence moving forward, and that's what you need from the rookie receiver. So maybe a little bit of a winning formula from that regard. The problem is, of course, that not only do the Titans run the ball well, but the Titans also have, you know, the best run defense in the league. So that seems problematic if you're planning to be able to execute that same sort of game plan where you expect Aaron Jones to be able to run all over this Tennessee team. Probably ain't going to be that easy. But Aaron Rodgers, he is the quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. He was asked about how sustainable this offensive strategy is for the Packers there's overreactions you know negatively and positively every single game you play and uh no offense Tim but you know like you haven't been the only one who's talked about sustainability and certain ways of winning and playing Um, I think it's all week to week it really is you know we you know you, you try and find your identity throughout the season a lot of that is you know kind of just jargon to keep the conversation going uh, in fact, the most important identity is competitive greatness and going out there and playing your best when your best is needed. We hadn't played a four-quarter game uh, all season. I felt like that was really close uh, Sunday. I, I mean, he said a whole lot of... Uh... <laughs> A whole lot of nothing, right, in that soundbite to me and a whole lot of things that we've kind of heard before in sports, a lot of cliches in that soundbite. But the truth is that if you're still searching for your identity week 11, it seems problematic. It is a darn good thing that this team is playing in a weak conference and that they are still squarely in a playoff hunt, given, albeit probably Shea, uh, in terms of a wild card type slot. Yeah, a a weak conference is accurate. I guess the good news for the Green Bay Packers, I mean, they've got a tough three games coming up, and then they do have a bye week, like a little bit of a reset. Like if they need to go on a run here and they can find a way against Tennessee, then, you know, you get like that mini bye when you play on a Thursday. And then you have to go to Philadelphia, and that's a primetime game as well. And and obviously Philadelphia has proven they can be beaten. So can if Green Bay can string together wins against the Titans and then the Eagles on the road, and then they have the Bears back at home, or I'm sorry, the Bears in Chicago, which Aaron Rodgers knows how to beat the Bears. That doesn't usually seem to be a problem. And then a bye week. Like, this does set up for the Green Bay Packers to sneak their way into the postseason. Um, Also, the NFC North, outside of the Minnesota Vikings, is not very good. And they still have to play Detroit and Chicago and Minnesota one more time. So... If Aaron Rodgers can return to that king of the north and they can build some consistency, they do have enough time to do it, but it's it's going to require a run, and he's right. I actually agree with him. We haven't seen four quarters out of this team. Heck, we barely even saw two quarters up until last week um, when they played the Dallas Cowboys. So if they can figure out how to all play together, then maybe the Green Bay Packers are actually on to something. Maybe they're actually on to something. I think everybody had counted them out at this point in the season. I guess you can never count out the team, though, that does have the back-to-back reigning MVP. The problem with Aaron Rodgers is, like, he has been part of the problem, Shay. He has not been playing well this season, so that's why you so desperately needed to get that help from your run game and be able to implement that strategy because it was like, yo, Aaron, why isn't it clicking for you with these receivers? And also, if it's not clicking for you, then where is the run game? Where is more of the reliance on it? And maybe at this point in the season, he realizes as well, and that'll alleviate some pressure from him, but it's been weird up to this point, frankly, to see him take the step back that he has well I just want to add to that too Amber because that's a good point like it seemed like he had had found something with Romeo Dobbs too and then obviously he was inactive last week and not having him on the field maybe impacts also the throwing game so if, I, I don't know Romeo Dobbs uh, timetable to return I, I, I'm completely uncertain on that but I think that was a receiver that he seemed to start building some chemistry with and a little bit of trust with and having him back in that passing game I think would really help the Green Bay Packers down the stretch I just wanted to add that in there in, in addition 
addition, obviously, to the run game. Absolutely. Uh, be a part of Canty and Carla Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. Call us, 888-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the ones that fans deserve. You are listening to Amber Wilson and Shay Cornette here on Canty and Carlin. Didn't mean to step on the music. Go ahead. <laughs> there we go. That's the music. A little something-something, doesn't it? A little something-something. It gets us in a football type yeah, of mood, right? Yeah, I like and it. Packers fans are in a football mood coming off of that win against the Cowboys last week. Let's talk about this Cowboys team, though, because the Packers really exposed a weakness here for the Cowboys, Shay, in terms of exploiting that run defense. And I know there was a lot of angry Cowboys after that game. Micah Parsons called it disgusting in his post game coming off of that game. Are there concerns here for the Dallas Cowboys? Yeah, there's deficiencies um, on both sides of the ball. I don't think that's brand new information, but I think uh, seeing it against a Packers team that had lost five straight and looked so lousy, you know, ignites a fire in Cowboys fans as it should. You know, you and I were talking in, in the pre-show about like how much we can trust Dak or this team. And it is, it is hard to trust them. Um, be it the issues they've had in the past in the locker room or with their head coach in terms of penalties or clock management or the, their quarterback turning the ball over or their run uh, offense being non-existent at times. And then obviously Ezekiel Elliott being big. There's problems, okay? And so the deficiencies look kind of like this. On the offensive side of the ball, their third down rate isn't great. They rank 20th in the lead. Yards per pass, 26th in the lead. Yards after catch. Bottom three of the league. These are offensive problems that when you have as much talent as you do on the Dallas Cowboys, and I get they could add another wide receiver, okay, fine. But you shouldn't be at the bottom of the league in these types of categories, okay? Wide receiver drop rate, they're 20th in the National Football League. Like, the drops, this has been going on for years. Like, stop dropping the football. <laughs> that, that, those kinds of things need to happen. On the defensive side of the, side of the ball, they rank in the bottom of the league on going three and out. Like, we, we, you've gotta, they've got to figure out ways to clean some of these things up with the amount of talent they have on both sides of the ball. And I think that's the head coach, the quarterback, all the way down to special teams. Everybody always wants to talk about Dak, right, and talk about this Cowboys offense. And we just kind of assume that this Cowboys defense is good because some of the names on that defense. And also, I think we just spend a lot of time on Dak because it's what we do with quarterbacks, especially if you're the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. To me, the biggest problem with this team is not Dak. To me, the biggest problem with this team is on the defensive side of that ball where I mentioned, like, that glaring weakness that the Packers exposed with that run D because you're talking about two straight opponents now that have gashed the Cowboys for more than 200 yards a piece and that's a real problem like pass rushing's great and we know that they got that but you have to have a run defense to match it otherwise it's what Dan Quinn said after that game where he called it death by a thousand paper cuts and that's essentially exactly what Green Bay did to them and that's what opponents are going to do to them moving forward that it to me is the bigger concern I know it's so easy for us to you know we talk about Dak we talk about the receivers we talk about all that stuff but to me that's a viable concern here well, it's so funny, too, because two years ago, their defense was historically bad. Uh, the Cowboys' defense was in the gutter. It was horrible. They fired their defensive coordinator. At, at, enter Dan Quinn, and Dan Quinn turns this whole thing around, and they become miraculous. And he's in every head coach conversation vacancy discussion. 
obviously ends up staying with the Dallas Cowboys, but now you are the hunted. You're no longer the hunter on the defensive side of the ball. And so Dan Quinn has got to come up with new ideas and new schemes, and this team has got to be more cohesive. And so now this is kind of what we're seeing, right? Like, it's not a surprise anymore that the Cowboys defense can be good. And so these deficiencies need to be cleaned up, and they need to be cleaned up in a hurry. It ain't going to get any easier for the Dallas Cowboys. And you're right. The star on the helmet, on the jersey, whatever you want to say, creates more controversy, creates more discussion. Too bad. That's what you signed up for when you signed your contract. So find a way to be better because there's way too much talent on that roster for it to be wasted yet again. Yes, there's a ton of talent on that roster. Like you said, it ain't going to get any easier. Certainly not going to get easier against the 8-1 and one Minnesota Vikings right now. You know, it's not easier against Justin Jefferson. It's not easier against Dalvin Cook. And that's what that Cowboys D is going to be grappling with. And you heard Mike McCarthy last week coming off of that loss to Green Bay. He says that... We recognize as far as our strength defensively, it's the pass rush, but pass rush is a privilege right now is what McCarthy was saying. And, and I tend to agree with him. Like there's other things that they need to do that are more fundamental that take care of business. Obviously getting pressure on the quarterback is part of the game as well, but we know that they have that in the bag. There's some other weaknesses here, but we do when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys, because like you said, the star on that helmet, we do spend a lot of time talking about Dak Prescott. That's going to be true no matter who is at the helm for the Dallas Cowboys and so Dak lives in this world of scrutiny of course because you're the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys that is in fact what you signed up for you get paid the big bucks to deal with that scrutiny some of that scrutiny comes from Stephen A. Smith you know him well he's on first take and of course he said Dak has not proved his worth yet one could easily argue that when you look at the Dallas Cowboys Dak Dak Prescott is the weak link what we have been lamenting is whether or not Dak Prescott can be that dude when it really, really counts because we're still waiting after all of these years. You just brought up Cooper Rush. Right. All right, and how his QBR is 10 points higher in the same amount of games. That's an indictment when you're a star quarterback yeah. who's got paid $95 million over the last two years. Okay, well, listen, again, you you are going to live in that world, Shay, of the heightened expectations because you're the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. I understand that. I do think, though, us always piling on to Dak. I'm not one who's a Dak hater. I wouldn't say I'm out here saying Dak is Patrick Mahomes either. Like, to me, Dak is a solid quarterback. He's a decent quarterback. He has proven that to me over the years, and I'm comfortable saying that as long as everything else is around him clicking. I'm not saying he's a game manager. Like, he's somewhere above that. He's somewhere above game manager to me and below Patrick Mahomes to me, and maybe we don't need to continue to try to make him Patrick Mahomes. You know, I this is like the female in me a little bit, but I, I feel like it's hard for me to root against Dak Prescott because I, he seems like such a wonderful person, and obviously I, I feel like we've lived through his ups and downs, be that on the field, off the field, injuries, whatever, it, coaching changes. I feel like we've lived this like roller coaster with him, and part of that is because he's a, the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. But at the same time, it's it's really hard as a sports fan to trust him and to trust the Cowboys, and I'm taking injuries out of it because that that's out of his control. Like, there are just moments, like, whether it's the spike at the wrong time in the postseason or, you know, you're throwing multiple interceptions against a, a, a lousy Green Bay Packers team and taking sacks at inopportune times. Like, there are moments where it's like you, you can't do that anymore. And I feel like we, we – we give a little bit, at least I do, I tend to give him a little bit of a pass sometimes. Oh, well, he doesn't have all the receivers he needs. And, well, there's been turnover here. And, and like, 
I got to stop doing that because it's not fair. Because I don't give the same kind of pass to Daniel Jones when he turns the ball over at inopportune times or to Zach Wilson because he's young. And I don't do that. And we got to stop doing it with Dak Prescott. So Stephen A. has a point, but I don't think I'd put all of the Dallas Cowboys problems on Dak Prescott's shoulders. Obviously, as I said earlier, that there's a lot of offensive and defensive deficiencies if you look at the numbers. We didn't even know who was going to be the number one, though. And fair, to, I mean, you're right, and we do tend to give the excuses to Dak as well. I suppose I don't want to sound like I'm echoing you in that regard, but I'm because I kind of come from the same vantage point. So maybe we're both females. Uh, but <laughs> that's right, what it is, <laughs> we just have a but, soft spot like or something. Like I don't know. Yeah, we yeah. both want him to do well. We're rooting yes. for Dak, but. I, you know, I mean, we didn't even know who the number one receiver was going to be after the departure of Amari Cooper for this team. Jerry Jones, though, he owns the Dallas Cowboys. He was coarse, was talking. He was doing it on 105.3. The fan, he responded to what Stephen A. Smith said about Dak. Yesterday, he said Jerry Jones has not gotten his money's worth out of Dak Prescott. He could be this team's weak link. What would you say back to Stephen A.? Uh, I can say that's uh, uh, not correct. The strength that I look at of our chance to win a championship is Dak and his leadership at that position. If you were constructing the possibility of competing for uh, a Super Bowl, uh, I would start on this team. I would start right there with Dak. Well, I would also say that it's not correct because Jerry Jones has certainly gotten his worth out of that contract because all of these guys at that position on teams like this are actually grossly underpaid compared to how much money, obviously, that you're still making off of the Dallas Cowboys, regardless of whether they win a Super Bowl or not. Dak brings that attention, though. He has been good in that role of handling that type of pressure. He knows that scrutiny comes with the job. But I do understand, Shay, I guess this idea that is he going to be like Jerry's just saying all the right things, right? Like he's going to be the reason that we win a Super Bowl one day. And I'm not willing to go there either. Like to me, the truth falls somewhere in the middle. So if you look at the schedule and I, I sometimes it's annoying to like break down a schedule because it's like, OK, we all get it. But really, like I was like looking at the teams that they've lost and they won to week one, they lost to the Bucks, But that's the game that Dak got hurt in. OK, so then Cooper Rush comes in, fills in really nicely. And if you, they haven't really beat a good team, they lose to the Packers. But there's drama surrounding that, as we laid out earlier. And maybe that's a little bit of an anomaly because of the Mike McCarthy factor going to Green Bay, whatever. Fine. Then they they also lost to the Philadelphia Eagles, who up until a few days ago were undefeated and looking like, you know, they were marching straight to the Super Bowl without stubbing their toe. So this weekend against the Vikings is going to be one of those weekends where I think we figure out exactly who the Dallas Cowboys are. Because there's been kind of all these weird little asterisks. And again, I'm probably making excuses for them. But this weekend against the Vikings team, who has now proven that they can beat Buffalo, and I think that we know we can take seriously, right, in this Vikings squad. You know, they didn't play against a backup quarterback in Buffalo. There wasn't a ton of weather elements. Wouldn't have mattered anyways for the Vikings. But nonetheless, I think this weekend is where we find out a lot about these two teams and especially about the Dallas Cowboys. Because if you lose back-to-back games to two NFC North squads, who you should be superior than, I think, then I think that tells you everything you need to know about the Cowboys. I agree. Uh, You've got to be able to get past this Vikings team if you want to be taken seriously, I think, in terms of a Super Bowl contender. Coming up next here on Canty and Carlin, Amber Wilson and Shea Cornette filling in for the guys. Someone said that the Green Bay Packers season was done a month ago. In fact, a lot of people said that. But will anything change his mind? We'll get an an answer to that question. That is coming up next on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. That is right after Shay has this word from FanDuel. FanDuel. 
FanDuel. Uh-huh. I got this word from FanDuel. You want me to get this word from FanDuel? Go ahead. Football you get it, girl. season is underway. So now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's free bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just sign up with promo code PLAY. The app is safe, secure, super easy to use. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props. Sign up today with promo code PLAY for your no sweat first bet. Make every moment more this season with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Part of the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Did you miss Canty and Carlin? Amber Wilson and Shay Cornette filling in for the guys here on Canty and Carlin. And you heard Christine say, we got some Thursday night football action coming your way with the Titans and the Packers. To talk about those teams and all things NFL, let's bring in Rob Ninkovich, ESPN's NFL analyst. And Nink, you've said for a while that the Packers season is over. I think going all the way back to when they lost to the Jets. Can they do anything tonight to change your mind, or did they last week when they beat the Cowboys? It's really hard for somebody to change my mind in one week. I need to see more consistency. Um, You know, we saw a lot of bad football from the Packers for a month straight. Um, You know, the Cowboys had a 14-point lead, led up 200-plus yards rushing. Um, I think that that when I watched the Green Bay Packers, they – Obviously, we're able to come back and win that football game, but there's still some issues that I need to see solved. And tonight, obviously, is going to be a great uh, measuring tool as to can they put something together. You know, they're on a short week. Can they ride the momentum of what they just did against the Cowboys? And can they beat a team that we know is a very physical team, but they're wounded? You know, the Tennessee Titans have a long list of injured players that – aren't going to be available for tonight. So I think that at home probably gives them an advantage short week at home. Um, So I think they're going to prove to a lot of people tonight, if they can be a team that we think is contending, if they lose tonight, 
they'll just go back to what we all thought that, okay, yeah, it was a flash in a pan against the Cowboys and they're not really going to be much of anything this year. So they have to prove to me that they can be consistent. Can they continue to run the football against the second best run stopping defense in the league? Can they take shots down the field on one of the worst pass defending teams in the league with wounded safeties and corners and pass rushers? Um, So again, I think tonight is going to be a huge um, measuring tool to what this team can potentially do, and can they put themselves in a position to to actually make any type of run? They have four wins on the season. Let's not forget that. Yeah, no doubt. Um, Rob, so you kind of just answered this question, but maybe you can expound upon it just a little bit. So obviously we saw the Packers offense do some things against the Cowboys that we hadn't seen them do. And for one was like not turning the ball over and seeing Aaron Rodgers finally be a little bit more Aaron Rodgers-esque and yes, run the ball. But in terms of going up against this Mike Vrabel's defense, albeit the injuries, what's going to be the biggest challenge for the Packers on a short week to, to keep up that consistency? Running the football. Um, you know, if you watch the Packers, when you run the ball, and last week when you watch the Packers run the football with success, that's what opens up every intermediate to deep route because your linebackers are sucked up into the line of scrimmage. They're trying to get to the line of scrimmage and stop the run, and then you pull that ball out, you take a shot down the field. Rodgers has more time because the defensive line is trying to set the edge and stop the run first. And then they realize, oh, it's a pass. And then they try and react to that. So if, if the Packers can't run the football, I think that that's going to be an issue. They're going to have to try and run the ball against a good run-stopping defense. And if the Tennessee Titans can score early, lean on their running game, then I think that they have the upper hand. So it comes down to who scores first and then who's able to I guess, control the time of possession through their running game. If the Tennessee Titans can score first and run the football well, I think they have the upper hand. I agree with you wholeheartedly. It still sounds strange to take the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hand. That's the key to the success for the Green Bay Packers. Not something that we're used to. Rob Ninkovich, ESPN NFL analyst, joining us here on Canty and Carlin. Amber Wilson and Shea Cornette filling in for the guys. All right, Rob, so let's move on to a team that's had a much better season so far. But the Eagles' run defense was exposed on Monday against the Commanders. In the last 48 hours, they've certainly tried to address that. How much do you expect Linval Joseph and Ndamukong Sue to be able to fix that? I think they can. I, I mean, look, they went and signed Sue. They know that they probably need a little bit more stout run-stopping defense. Um, a lot of the times, especially I, I know from experience, you want to make those big plays. You want to make the TFLs. You want to get after the quarterback and have those sacks. We all know that that stat is such a glorified stat. But at the end of the day, you got to win on first down, and that's stopping the run. So I have full confidence that the Eagles have the leadership you know, they have Cox. They're, they just signed Sue. Sue walks in the building, and you say, listen, this is what we need to do to get to a Super Bowl and, and to do something special. Number one, stop the run, and then you can pin, pin your ears back. You can use Quinn. You can use those guys around on the edge that, that can get after the quarterback. That is similar to what we've seen around the league. The Cowboys lead the NFL in sacks, but if you can't stop the run, it doesn't matter because third and twos are a lot easier to convert than third and tens. And I think the Eagles understand that's our Achilles heel. Let's address that issue. Let's bring in somebody that's a veteran, that's a very good player in Sue, and we need to stop the run. So I think they'll do that. 
Mink, let's go to something you're familiar with, and that's bad weather. Playing in bad weather. Uh, Buffalo Orchard Park could be dealing with up to four feet of snow um, this Sunday. And the Bills are playing the Browns. In terms of what you know in playing in that environment, are the Bills built to win in an environment like that with that much snow? I know they're used to it, but it doesn't seem like that's their bread and butter right now. No, it's okay. You know what? The snow actually helps, and and I tell you why. When you're playing as a defender in snow, you don't know when the receiver is going to make his cut. You don't know where the offense is going. You're reacting off of what the offense is showing you. When you're playing offense, I know I'm running a flat route. I know I'm running a 10-yard in cut, so you can prepare for that. And it's not as slippery as you think. I mean, you, you might think, oh, wow, there's a lot of snow. When you put the seven studs on and you put the three-quarter length, you actually have pretty good grip on that turf. So the, wherever they're at, if they have to go, if I think they're going to go to Detroit. I think that's the news that just came out. Um, they'll, they'll be fine. So playing in Detroit two weeks in a row, that might cause me some, some concern because they're probably not going to go home for Thanksgiving, and that's more of an issue than playing in a bad inclement weather. Rob Ninkovich, ESPN NFL analyst. All right, Nink, I'll get you out of here on this one. If I made you choose one thing, what is holding the Dallas Cowboys back? Uh, I'll say I'll start with the run defense, and then I'll finish with Dak. <laughs> you slid two in there, Nink. That's what happened. Well, I'm, I'm – I'm putting two in there. I'm putting two in there. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Rob Ninkovich, ESPN NFL analyst. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much. Take care. See you, Nate. Try- I tried to put the pressure on him, Shay, to narrow him down to one, uh, but hey. he wouldn't play within the rules. Two I, is better than none. I'll two, take it. It's fine. Well, unless you're a Cowboys fan, you probably yeah. would prefer there just to be one thing that yeah. they need to address. Canty and Carlin is presented by Progressive Insurance. It's easy to bundle your home and car insurance at Progressive.com. Coming up next here on Canty and Carlin, Amber Wilson and Shay Cornette filling in for the guys. Why an all-time great will never be mentioned with other all-time greats. That's next. This is ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Did you miss Canty and Carlin? It's a hard knock life right now for the Brooklyn Nets. Amber Wilson and Shay Cornette filling in for the guys here on Canty and Carlin. Canty and Carlin is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Let's talk 
some hoops here, Shay. And of course, if we're talking hoops, we're probably talking about the dumpster fire that's happening in Brooklyn and the situation with Kevin Durant, because that's all the talk right now. He did a sit down with Chris Haynes of Bleacher Report, and he had some interesting quotes that I want to address with you. So let's start here. The one where he kind of takes shots at his starting lineup. He says, look at our starting lineup. Then he proceeds to name the guys in the starting lineup. He says, it's not disrespect, but what are you expecting from that group? Which, I mean, Shay, how is that not disrespect to say that? It's like when someone says, no offense, but, and it's okay, well, this is about to be offensive. Like, that's exactly what this is. Um, Look, Kevin Durant is a magnificent basketball player. Um, My husband covers college basketball, played college basketball, and knows more basketball than I could ever pretend to know. And every time we watch the Nets or whatever team Kevin Durant is playing on, he has the same reaction every time. Like, it it is crazy for a guy as tall as he is to be able to do what he does on the basketball court. I, I realize his talent. However, I'm, I'm like done with these comments, okay? I'm over it because Kevin – and then he gets frustrated when people say he's not a leader because this is not what we need to hear from you right now. I know Kyrie Irving is a stubborn – strong-willed, wants to do what he wants to do kind of a person. And I'm not telling you you need to change that from him. But what I think the Brooklyn Nets need now more than ever and what I think probably the Warriors could have maybe used or the Thunder could have used or whatever is if you're in that locker room to be a leader in a way where you come to the podium and you say, you know, I told the guys, like, we don't have Kyrie right now. And, you know, I'm happy to take the role, but we need everyone to step up. We need this guy to do this. We need better shooting. We need better on the defensive end of the floor. We need better. Like, whatever. Give me something. Like, it's just these throwaway slick comments constantly or on a burner account. Or maybe he's saying something indirectly to mean something else. I'm done with it. This is not what the all-time greats, if you will, the all-time great leaders, this is not what I want to hear from them. And, and, and Kevin, you are a fantastic basketball player. But for me to consider you the guy in Brooklyn, the guy that you need to look for for all of the answers to be solved, I need more than this. This isn't, this isn't what I need. I'm done I- with it. It's, I, it's annoying to me, actually. A lot of people are done with it. And a lot of people are, are done with KD. Now, I like the transparency from my athletes. So I actually like that Kevin Durant is willing to go out there and say the thing that we're all thinking. Like, look at the starting lineup. What do you expect him to do with this? But the other reason that he might have said it is because maybe he's putting public pressure on the Nets to get Kyrie Irving back on the court. Because obviously that but name and exactly that starting lineup. Makes that's what sense. I mean. If that's what you're talking about, if that's the message you're trying to say, go to Josiah and say it. Go to the front office and say, hey, we need Kyrie. Or just say that. Guys, I'm going to be honest. We can't do much without Kyrie right now. He's another big piece of this puzzle, and we need him back. Just say it. It's like he's constantly beating around the bush to get to another point. He's always got something slick to say that isn't exactly to the point, or he's got to go on a different account to say it, or he's got to go through another channel. Just be upfront. Like th- th- That is what annoys me about someone who's supposed to be the face of not only the league, but also of his franchise. Well, it's funny to me, though, because I will say this in defense of KD, and there's not a lot of people out here forging this lane of defending Kevin Durant at this point in his career, but I will say this. We like LeBron is the king of subtweeting. It's not, like this whole generation of players does the thing where they put on the public pressure, they say the thing, they allude to the things on social media as opposed to just addressing the things internally. Like that's in line with this generation of basketball players. And yet when KD does it, we kind of all pile on. Now he was 
he he did he was asked about the leadership role that people expect from him by Bleacher Report. He did tell Chris Haynes, quote, I'm not a leader. What the bleep does that mean? A lot of people say I'm not a leader because I didn't tell Kyrie to get vaccinated. Come on. Or I didn't condemn Kyrie for leaving the team, going out and living his life. I'm not about to tell a grown bleep man that he can do and can't do with his own life and dissect his views or how he thinks about bleep. That was the direct quote from him. I'll say this, Shay. I, a lot of people, like, we all have this idea that we want Kevin Durant because he's so good at basketball to also be so good at, you know, being a CEO. And those are two different skills. Like, the man signed up to be a basketball player. I agree with you. He's not a great leader, but not everybody who has that talent at basketball necessarily needs to have that talent in terms of leadership. If it was a better organization, they would have brought in somebody to have that leader role on this team. It doesn't necessarily always have to be the best player on the team with that leader role, like a Udonis Haslam down in Miami. It doesn't always have to be the best player on the court. KD is the best player. He's not the best CEO. But then, then Katie needs to speak up and say, instead of going to get all these other dudes we got in the offseason and bringing Kyrie Irving along, I need someone that I know can lead this team because I'm not capable of doing it. That's what he needs to say then. Because he's brought in to be that guy. And no one's talking about telling Kyrie Irving to go get vaccinated. I, first of all, I think we're so far past that. And also, I never expected that of him. Like, as I said earlier, Kyrie's a grown man. The point is, just need you to say things that are more eloquent, if you will, when you have a microphone in front of your face that's poignant to your basketball team. Canty and Carlin, weekdays on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+.